What's going on, people? It's y'all, Michael H.E. Back with another episode of the Ramblin' Mind Podcast. How are each and every single one of y'all doing today? I hope y'all are doing well. I hope y'all are worked really hard this week and you're tired and you're ready for some rest this weekend. I just hope y'all are doing good. I hope y'all are having a great day so far today when you're listening to this. You may be starting your day with me or you might be ending your day with me. Either way, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for tuning to another episode of the Rambling Mind Podcast. I appreciate each and every single one of you that turns in to listen to my, if I do say so my, myself, precious, precious, beautiful, beautiful voice. I'm just kidding. <laughs> on this, uh, on any platform that you listen to me on. Do me a favor. If this is your first time around these parts, hit that subscribe button. Share the podcast with your friends. Let them know about what we got going on on here. As you guys know, every Tuesday we cover a personal finance topic that can also include investing. And every Thursday we talk about some of the news that we've been seeing for the week so far when it comes to the business world. As you know, my goal is to ensure that you guys are learning a lot and knowing a lot about the things that might affect the dollars in your pockets, but also teaching you about the skills that you need in order to improve the way that you go handling your money. But anyway, today we got a lot to discuss. We got things like the S&P 500 hitting an all-time high. Like that's just mind-blowing considering where we are coming from. We got Warren Buffett making moves, which is very important. When Warren Buffett moves, like we say, when the Oracle talks, we listen. So we'll pay attention to some of the moves that he's making. And then we'll talk about some more earnings calls as we're rounding up earnings season and just see what has happened so far with some companies that reported their earnings this week. And of course, as we do every week, you got to have your obligatory TikTok update. But we start with this. We start with Epic going to war against Apple. Epic is going to war, a literal battle royale in the business world against Apple. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, let me give you a quick backstory. But you know what? Before we get into that story, as I try to do, I almost forgot to do it. But as I try to do on on the podcast is to ask you guys a question of the day. As I said, I want you guys to know, I want you guys to know a thing or two about different things that's going on in the business world. So the question of the day is, what does SEC stand for? What does SEC stand for? Now, if you if you're thinking Southeastern Conference, you already missed it. We're not talking about football. We're not talking about sports. We're talking about in the business world. What does SEC stand for? We'll talk about that more later on in the episode. But let's get back to the topic. So, Epic versus Apple, a major battle royale that's taking place in the business world. Now, if you don't know who Epic is, Epic is the creator of the game Fortnite. Or if you didn't know that Fortnite was created by Epic, now you do. So Epic is the creator of Fortnite, but they don't just do that. They are also a game engine company. They create the game engines that some of your favorite games run on, the Unreal Engine. So they're a really big company. They're a really big uh, gaming company, especially with the growth of Fortnite. They've done a lot of good things. So backstory of what the problem is between Apple and Epic. So Epic has been complaining for a while that the way that Apple and Google handle their app stores is a little bit monopolistic. It's a little bit anti-competitive. As you all know, Apple has a history of very, very strict users on any of its platforms, whether it be on the cell phones, whether it be on its computer, whatever the platform is, Apple is very strict about what goes on those platforms. And the same goes for their app store. Apple is extremely strict about what companies 
can upload to the app stores and what can't be up uploaded to the app stores. It has a list of things that you have to meet before they'll allow that app to be on the app store. App store. And one of the restrictions is the way that people have to buy their items within the store. Both Apple and Google only allow you, actually Google allows you sometimes to pay for things outside of the app store method, but Apple only allows you to pay for things through the app checkout system, through Apple's app checkout system. Epic sees this as an anti-competitive policy, but the real reason that this is becoming an issue really is just because Epic doesn't want to split its profit with Apple and, and Google. Epic wants to be able to charge directly to its players without having to pay some kind of tax on top of it to Apple. So here's the back, the back backstory on that as well. Apple and Google charges a 30% uh, sales tax, basically. They basically charge for every app that is sold through their store and for everything that is sold through their store, there's a 30% charge on top of it. And this is pretty much normal practice in business. Um, when you go to stores, there's a tax, there's a slight tax that you pay just because of where that store is. Epic sees this tax, which is not really a tax, but Epic sees this tax as unnecessary and Apple sees it as necessary for them to be able to maintain their app and for them to be able to maintain the way that the app is used to maintain the app store generally. Well, now back to our present day situation of Epic versus Apple. Epic got tired of both platforms and decided it was going to break the policy and it added a second way for Fortnite players to be able to pay for different items in the game. So you know all these games, these pay to win games that we have around now, you pay for different coins, skins and all that stuff. Basically you have to usually go through the app store and I think part of the reason why they did this was in the past, Apple has had issues where children were just using their parents credit cards any which way and buying all kinds of stuff without really like confirming the payment with the parent epic was like bump all that noise we don't want to do that anymore we don't uh we don't want to do any of that stuff and so they decided we're doing our own way and so to do this they made it obvious <laughs> that they were discounting their product by not by not putting it to go through the Apple payment process. So so much so that on the screen uh, before they got removed from the App Store, the way you would buy anything on Fortnite, it popped up a screen and said, "You can pay 7.99 for this coin pack or you can pay 9.99 for this coin pack because you have to pay through the Apple Store." Of course, most players are going to use the the 7.99 one because it's cheaper. And basically, Apple and Google caught whiff of this and removed Fortnite from the store, which automatically, once they did that, which it was a violation of their policies, once they did that, Epic was like, oh, oh, that's what you're going to do? Epic launched a social media campaign, which the video they launched was hilarious. It was so hilarious. Basically, it spoofed the 1984 Super Bowl commercial that Apple did. And basically just made it that Apple has turned into Big Brother, essentially, and has become the thing that they were trying to fight against. And so it's just interesting. The video, if you haven't seen it, go look it up when you have the time. It's really funny. It's a very, very funny video. And they basically launched the social media campaign, but at the same time, they also sued Apple and Google for anti-competitive behavior. Now, the question that everyone has, or the question that I had when I saw this was, if Fortnite has been like upset with this for so long and they've been like not happy with the way that apple has been handling its play store why are they doing it now like why are they deciding that this is the perfect time for them to launch their assault for them to start this battle against apple 
And well, the main reason is, as you guys know, Apple just had a, Apple and Google just had anti antitrust hearings in front of Congress. And one of the things that Apple had to had to talk about before Congress was the way that they manage their app store, was the way that they decide what goes in and out of the app store and how, because they also have apps on the store, how maybe there's anti-competitive behaviors to use the data of their competition to make sure that their apps continually pop up in front of other people and their apps continually stay on top. And so that's the question of, this is the, this is rather, this is why Epic decided this is the perfect time for them to launch this assault. Maybe they can also make Apple look bad during this whole thing, and maybe they can use the background of that antitrust hearing to push their case through. Now, you have to remember something. Epic is also feeling on cloud nine right now. Epic just raised a bunch of capital, and right now Epic, is Epic the company, is valued at about $16 billion. So Epic is on a really high right now, so it has money to spend to compete against Apple and Google. Most companies that try to compete against Apple and Google, you're not gonna win because both of those companies have, guess what? They got a lot of money. They got money on money on money. Like they got just money sitting in a bank just waiting for the chance of when they need to make a move or something like this. And so you coming up against them is just like, they're always ready. But now Epic feels like this is the perfect chance because they, they're finally, they have a lot of money for them to spend and they can go to war against Apple in this lawsuit. However, as you and I both know, this is not about whether Apple is wrong or right. Fortnite is trying to make it look like Apple is trying to do something that it's not or Apple is anti-competitive. Apple is a big corporation trying to fight against the little guy. What it really is, which there's other things that Apple has been extremely petty with. I mean, there was a company that had a peer logo and Apple sued them because it looked so close to an Apple logo. Apple can be petty sometimes, like really, really, really petty about stuff. But anyway, this is not that. This is not that situation. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> this is a situation where Fortnite, aka Epic, is just trying not to split the cost with anybody. Because if you look at the background of this, this is not a new situation. It's not like Apple and Google are the only ones that charge people to use their marketplace or to use their app store. But anyway, because of this whole thing going on, what's happened on the other side is now Facebook, Match, Spotify all started their own bash campaigns on Apple because when it rains, it pours. And all these other companies want to pick pick up at Apple because Spotify has also complained about, hey, we shouldn't have to pay you 30% for the subscriptions that people pay through your platform but they still have to match is also like we shouldn't have to pay you guys the 30% cut when people subscribe oh by the way if you don't know what match is match is the parent company of tinder so and I think tinder has a subscription model so basically they're all complaining that yes we shouldn't have to split our per profits with with Apple however as you guys know this is business there's not really like a case to be made of why Apple shouldn't do this however the problem that arises as I kind of took a look back at the antitrust case that was against Microsoft in the early 2000s. And during that antitrust case, Microsoft was forced to separate Windows from Internet Explorer and allow other things to become your default settings. Like not all the defaults. Like if you notice, whenever you get a new Windows computer, it asks you, what do you want to set as your default for a lot of stuff? 
part of that is because of this hearing, this antitrust case that they kind of won, kind of lost back in the early 2000s. And basically that gave rise to things like Chrome which gave, which was basically from Google. And basically because of that one thing of forcing Microsoft not to make Internet Explorer your default browser for so long gave rise to Chrome. The issue is that Apple and Google not only own the marketplace, in other words, they don't only own the App Store, but they also sell their own products within that App Store. And then the question is, are they using the data of their competition to ensure that their apps actually do better? That's the question and that's the problem that Apple and Google both face. Basically, it's the same question that Amazon is facing. Is it using the information of its third-party sellers to push its own products? These are the questions that they're asking these companies. And the problem for Apple and Google also is that the marketplace or rather the App Store is no longer a marketplace that they built up. It has become a public utility because for most of us, we do everything on our phone. Our phone is our access to most things. And for, for most people, that means apps. That means not just getting on Internet Explorer or your Chrome browser on there or Safari. It's literally downloading apps to your phone. And so it is a public utility to be able to give people access to those developers, platforms and those developers giving us apps. And so... Apple having its own software on there competing against those developer, it can always be a bad look. It's kind of like the way you get power to your house. Power companies are public utilities. Power companies and cable companies are public utility companies. That's why the government regulates how they do their business because otherwise they'll be able to charge people all kinds of nonsense dollars for them to just do whatever. The problem on the other side of things is when you start looking at the grand scheme of everybody's marketplace, so you know Microsoft has an app marketplace, Nintendo has an app marketplace, Sony has an app marketplace, Epic itself has an app marketplace, Facebook has an app marketplace, and the thing is each and every single one of these marketplaces charges for any sale that's made on that platform. If that makes any sense, like every single one of them charges for any kind of sale. For example, Epic itself charges 12% for any kind of sale that's made on the platform. It charges developers 12% through its app store. Facebook charges about 20% on anything that is sold on its app store. Nintendo and Sony and Microsoft all charge 30% on their app store. And so to me, it doesn't make sense that that Epic is making this case that's trying to argue this whole thing against Apple because in reality, all they're trying to do is we don't want to share our profits. And when you go to court and then they bring up all exhibit A's, exhibit B's, exhibit C's, you're not going to win that case. You're not going to win. I I just don't see a way for Epic to be able to win this case against Apple. Now, it is true that there is a duopoly when it comes to app sales on cell phone because Google owns 85% of the market and Apple owns the other 15% of the market. When it comes to the US, it's more like 70-30, where Apple owns like 30, 70% of the US market and 30% is owned by Google, maybe 60-40. Maybe it's a little bit closer than 70-30. But the point is, they have a monopolistic duopoly for something that they did create. Apple did create the App Store. They did create the Apple App Store. However, it has now become more of a public utility because of the way that we access information on our phone. 
It is no longer just like, oh, we created this thing so we can do whatever we want with it. Now it's, we created this thing, but unfortunately, well, fortunately or unfortunately, it's become a public utility for the betterment of the customer. Problem is access to the app store is free. And so the customer doesn't really have to, doesn't really see any of the losses. All that's happening is on the business side. It's only on the business side that they're seeing losses. But anyway, I hope y'all and, and understand the whole thing that's going on with Apple versus Epic. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this whole thing plays out. I'm going to keep following this case. And whenever there's an update, I will bring that to y'all. <sighs> Moving on from there, that was a really, really long discussion on just Apple and Epic. But there was a lot to cover there. Let's get to the next one. The next topic is we're going to be talking about how the S&P 500 just hit a new record high. Yes, the exact same S&P 500 that crashed about 40% back in March. This is just, it's just crazy to think about where we are in the market. But anyway, this has been the shortest bear market of all of history. When I say bear market, bear market is when we see a downturn. Do you think recessions? think stock market crashes that's a bear market that's when things look really bad but this has been the shortest bear market we've ever seen in history of the united states or in history of market trading ever historically the average time for a recovery from a bear market is about four and a half years four and a half years for us to come out of it this time around we saw that recovery in five months april may June, July, we don't day in August. Five months. It literally took us five months for us to recover from this bear market. It has never happened before. So the question is, what was different about this recovery versus any other recovery in history? And why were we able to recover from it so quickly? One answer to that is simply tech companies, tech stocks, tech companies basically run things on the market right now like techno the way tech goes is the way the market goes right now and the issue is in the past when we go through a recession or anything like that you have physical assets and physical things that can't work anymore for example airplanes can't fly anymore that's gonna affect the market cruise ships can't ship anymore that's gonna affect the market those are like you know those are physical aspects but now Instead of the companies to be hurt because everything was shut down due to the pandemic, it's the opposite. It actually boosted a lot of these tech companies. For example, everybody's using Netflix because we can't go anywhere. Everybody was using Amazon to order all their stuff. Everybody was buying new cheaper iPhones, buying new products for school and stuff like that, computers. Everybody was using cloud services to whether it's to watch TV shows or whatever. Basically, we went directly online and we couldn't communicate in person so we zoom called everything we couldn't reach out and touch people in person so we started using devices to stay connected with people companies had to shift the way they do work and everything went online even for me at work everything is online we started working from home and we started getting things delivered to our houses you had a growth with companies delivery companies like doordash and Uber Eats, all these different companies had a boost in the way that they do business because they were designed for for a world where everything is shut down. And so that's one reason. And then you have to think about the fact that 33% of the S&P 500 is made up of just tech stocks, of just tech stocks. And then on the other side, the five largest companies on the index 
are tech companies and you guys can say it with me we'll list it together we'll start from A's the A's in there Apple and Amazon then we have Facebook and Google and then we have Microsoft the five largest companies in the United States and they're all tech companies and so the pandemic just kind of fed into their strengths and made them that much more stronger the second thing that really helped out the markets is Big Daddy Jerome Powell and his print and press Man, that printing press has been active. It has been in action for for the duration of this pandemic. He's been he's been on top of it. He's like, yo, we printing, we printing these dollars. We trying to we boosting these markets and we keep on printing. He has, his printing press has been working overtime right now with the U.S. buying over two trillion dollars in assets. Like literally, the the, the federal debt is at an all time high. At a ridiculous, I think we're at like $20 trillion in debt or something like that as far as the United States is concerned. And then on the other side, they also targeted interest rate and brought that thing down to zero. And so for most people, it was like, I could either keep my money in a savings account or I could invest it and actually deal with inflation. So it was like this balancing effect of like, do I pull my money out of the stock market and put it in bonds? But the problem with bonds is because interest rates are zero, I'm not really seeing any returns on my bonds. So I'm better off putting it in a stock market because the stock market, I can at least fight back inflation. So this was something that a lot of investors were thinking about. And then there's a saying in the market, don't fight the Fed. Don't fight the Fed. If the Fed is pumping money into the market, go with it go with it because basically the fed right now is holding up the market It's holding up the market all of these things combined the tech companies the trillions in dollars that we spent and then of course the interest rate all of these things combined is why we are back where we were earlier this year in february when we're all like we are making money look at my portfolio it's all green i'm back in the green i have all this money we're back there we're back there. It's crazy. But then the thing is, the thing to actually think about is tech. the tech giants are kind of overshadowing the entire other side of the market. So a report was done that about 40% of companies on the S&P 500 have announced cuts and extreme loss in revenue. Cuts and extreme loss in revenue. 40% of the companies. You have 33% of the companies holding up the S&P 500. Now you have that little sliver of like, what is that? 27% or so that is just kind of surviving and getting by or 17% that's just kind of treading water. And then you have 40% of the market suffering extreme losses right now. And so the S&P 500, is, the tech stocks are really overshadowing everything else and literally dragging the market up with it. Like they're literally put the team on our back. We put the other 455 companies on our back or 495 companies on our back and we're going to drag you guys to success this is why diversification is so important but another thing to think about is also this is why it's important to know that wall street is not the same as main street meaning stock market is not the economy it's very important for us to keep that in mind because unemployment is still at an all-time high Businesses keep announces bankrupt keep announcing bankruptcies and we have small businesses are probably not gonna come back from where they were. We have 40% on the market that probably will not have a, the same job that they did when they started. So these are things to keep in mind when we see all these news about oh the stock market is doing so well, the stock market is doing so well, the stock it's not the same as the economy. The stock market only helps those who already own assets. If you don't own assets, 
all this means absolutely nothing to you. Speaking of the market, let's go to Warren Buffett. As we say on this on this podcast, when the oracle speaks, we listen. Even when he doesn't speak, if he makes a move, we pay attention. And right now, as the market goes, or rather, as Warren Buffett goes, so goes the market, apparently. In his latest 13F filing, which if you don't know what a 13F filing is, I didn't either. But don't worry, that's what I'm here for. That's why you come to this podcast so you can learn more about the things of this world. A 13F filing is a quarterly report that institutional fund managers with more than $100 million in assets are required to file to reveal what they have been investing in. Think of it as the earnings report for investors like Warren Buffett, Ray Dalio, or Vanguard, Fidelity, Goldman Sachs, Bank of America, whoever their institutional managers are for different investments, they have to report that every quarter. The main reason that they have to report is for transparency reasons, because most institutional investors are in charge of billions of dollars when it comes to mutual funds, pension plans, and trusts for people. So it's good to give access for people to see, okay, what are they actually doing with all this money that is being given to them? What are the moves that they are making to ensure that people aren't losing money? And it's a way to see the inside view of the way that they're making money. Now, for investors like myself, for retail investors, it gives us an opportunity to see what the smart money is doing because institutional investors have a boatload of money that they spend on research. And so it gives us an idea of how they're, how they're investing their money so we know what might happen in the market. These are all reasons, these are all the reasons that 13F filings is done. Now, however, just because Warren Buffett bought something does not mean that I should go and buy the same thing. Just because Warren Buffett is investing in something doesn't mean I have to go and buy the same thing. It feels good when I'm investing in the same thing as Warren Buffett. However, it doesn't mean that we are on the same level or that I should be making the same moves as him. Anyway, in the case of Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway's 13th filing in the latest in the latest quarter, it seems Warren Buffett has kind of changed his investment strategy. Previously, remember, he exited all airlines. He sold out of airlines completely. And now, apparently, it seems like he started selling out of banks as well. And Warren Buffett, historically, has always kind of bought into banks. I mean, in 2008, he took major stakes in some of the biggest banks in the United States, some of the top five banks. But apparently, this time around, he's selling out of banks, which signifies to a lot of people that he doesn't see that the economy, the economic recovery is going to be very fast. He sees that the recovery is going to be a lot longer than everybody else thinks it will be. So he sold out of banks like Wells Fargo, JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs. But then on the other side, he bought into Bank of America. Now, I'm a shareholder of Bank of America, so I don't know if that's good or bad news, but it does make me happy because my 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 call was to go with Bank of America. However, in its place, he added a small percentage in his portfolio of a gold mining company. Warren Buffett usually is anti-gold. Like he has always said that he will never buy gold. He says that gold is is a useless asset to buy because it doesn't make him any more money. It stays the same. All it does is that it's shiny. It seems like his stance is changing, but not really. All that's changing is he decided to buy a gold mining company. And as they say, you can either be the one that finds the gold or you can be the one that sells people the shovels and you can be rich either ways. And one way seems a lot simpler than the other. And so looking at some of the moves that Warren Buffett is making, 
it also affected the market. Bank stocks kind of got depressed as soon as this news came out. Gold, gold started flying sky high, even though it's been flying sky high throughout the entire pandemic. But whatever Warren Buffett says can change the way the market looks. Of course, he also sold out of Boeing, which was also a big hit to Boeing stock. And so it's just interesting to take a note of some of the things that Warren Buffett is doing for all my investors out there. Staying on the topics of the market, earnings season is about to come to a close, but we still have one more important earnings call to discuss. And that's the earnings call of Walmart, which had their earnings on Tuesday. And everything looked good for the company. Actually, you know what? It was better than good. It was great. It was literally amazing. Like their earnings report was amazing. They reported an increase of almost 10% in same store sale. Now, when I say that, when I say same store sale, it's basically like your local Walmart actually had an increase in their sales for that local Walmart store. They saw an increase of 10% of sales. And for a store like Walmart, it's extremely hard to see any kind of growth when it comes to sales because everybody already pretty much goes to Walmart anyway. People go to Walmart for almost anything. And so to see that kind of 10% bump in sales growth is unbelievably higher. To put it into perspective, this is higher than any other quarter that they've had in the past like five years. Like that's like in the past, I think. And then if you combine the last two years or, or all of last year, the growth that they had wasn't comparable to what they had in just one quarter. Much like Amazon, Walmart has benefited greatly from this pandemic. They also announced a 97% growth in online sales, which they continue to double down on. I don't know if you guys have noticed, there's been a lot more advertising for a two-day delivery to your door or same-day delivery to your door. I mean, we talked about how because Walmart has so many stores in so many different locations, it's able to fight back against Amazon a little bit and it's starting to show in their online sales. Also, they've opened it up to third-party sellers and so now they're seeing that online sales growth really start to catapult. It did double what they were able to accomplish all of last year. Now, all of that stuff sounds amazing. I know you guys are like, oh, there's nothing else to talk about. All of that stuff sounds amazing, but just like you see commercials on TV for medication, there's a catch to this. Walmart said that most of the growth that it experienced was due to more due to the extra unemployment checks people received during the pandemic. And since those checks have dried up and has run out and people aren't receiving that extra $600 a week, they're saying that you can expect to see a dramatic decrease in the sales growth when it comes to the fourth or the third quarter. So it'll be interesting to see how this whole thing plays out. Are we going to get another stimulus package from the government? It seems like they're finally coming to terms for a small stimulus package just to at least get people to help start helping people, which might be good to see. Hopefully Congress does that soon. But as of right now, it's looking like Walmart can celebrate, but at the same time, they're like, hey, don't celebrate too much now because we still have a long, long way to go. The last news of the day is your weekly TikTok update because, you know, we got to talk about TikTok on this thing. As you guys know, TikTok, Trump wrote an executive order banning TikTok in the United States if it wasn't sold in 45 days. However, it has increased that 45 days window to 90 days, so... If Microsoft doesn't buy them in 90 days, it's GG Nori for TikTok. 
However, on the other side, Oracle is also kind of throwing their heart, their hat into the acquisition of TikTok, which of course Donald Trump was excited about it because the chairman of the board of directors for Oracle is a Trump supporter and he's a big donor to Trump. And so he's very excited. He's like, I believe Oracle should make the blah, 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 all that nonsense. Either way, it doesn't make any sense. If you are like, who the heck is Oracle anyway? Like, why would Oracle? Oracle is a software business. Really, it's a service business, a service software business for businesses, for the corporate world. So it does stuff like helps businesses with their expenses, helps businesses. It gives businesses a platform to do time and all these other things. Like, it's literally a business platform. So them throwing their hat into this whole mix of trying to buy TikTok is literally them just trying to compete with Microsoft because they're Microsoft's biggest competitor. Oracle is Microsoft's biggest competitor. So it's interesting to see them throw their hat into the mix as well. But anyway, and I think the whole thing is pretty interesting how Microsoft Oracle are trying to diversify their stream of income might be a thing for us to think about how to diversify our streams of income to try and find ways to make money from multiple different things. So something to think about. I just find that interesting as a tidbit. But the last thing is to answer the question of the day. The question was, what does SEC stand for? And I wasn't talking about Southeastern Conference. No, I wasn't talking about that. What does SEC stand for? SEC stands for the Securities and Exchange Commission. They are basically the police for the stock market. They ensure that no kind of nonsense is taking care of, you know, taking place in the background. They make sure that companies are doing things on the up and up and companies aren't doing any kind of weird financial practice. Now, the reason I wanted to talk about this topic was recently a study was done and it was found that in the last four years, there have been less and less and less insider trading cases being brought up by the SEC. Now, if you don't know what insider trading is, insider trading is basically when somebody who's on the inside of a business knows about something that's about to be released, but doesn't release that information to the public until they've benefited from it. Or they use information about a business they know on the inside to make sure that they are benefiting financially from it. You're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to make profit basically on information that's not available to the public, especially if you're a publicly traded business. And so, for example, what people have done in the past is, hey, let's just use like Microsoft, for example. Microsoft is coming out with a software that's going to completely demolish Chrome and they know this information. And so what they do is, they will go and buy Google Chrome or Google shares right before the news drops so that when the news drops, they can sell off, they can sell off their shares or they'll sell off their shares very quickly. And then when the news drops, the price is going to fall. They benefit. Everybody else gets screwed. I don't know if that, if I explained that very well, basically it's a way of using information that nobody else knows to make sure that you're the only one who benefits, right? It's like cheating in baseball when somebody basically went oh think of it this way the patriots the patriots recording the practices of other teams that is cheating you're not supposed to do that because now you know the signs and all this stuff that teams are using and that's not supposed to be happening so it's basically the same thing with insider trading in the last year actually in 2019 the lowest number in over a decade was brought to trial about only 46 cases was brought to trial in on all that's the very historically low number for insider trading now this is not to say that the sec is not doing anything but rather their focus is different due to their new chairman chairman jay clayton 
who has been more focused about black and white situations rather than focusing on issues and problems that financial institutions might be trying to hide. The problem is, as you you guys know, as I know, financial situations are hardly ever black and white. There's no real like, this is the right way to do it. This is the wrong way to do it. Or think about taxes, for example. There's a lot of ways you can do taxes that is not necessarily illegal, but it doesn't make it right for you, if that makes any sense. There's a lot of gray area when it comes to finances. There's a lot of gray area when it comes to the way that businesses report their finance. If you look at a business, business's 10K report, it is not very direct. It's not very black and white. The way they have to do a lot of stuff sometimes is a lot of guesswork. It's a lot of art that goes into finances. I was just learning about that in a book where they have to come up with things and make sure that the numbers make sense in some way. And so when we don't have the police policing and putting pressure on businesses to make sure that they're doing things in the right way, things can start to spiral out of control. Like think about it. When we know that there's a cop on a highway, guess what we all do instinctively? We all slow down. We may have been going 90 miles an hour a little bit ago, but when that notification pops up on Waze and says, hey, cop ahead, guess what we all do? We all slow down. It's the same way in the business world. When they know that the SEC is going to come after them for any little thing, or literally the SEC just stomps around, even though they know that nothing is wrong, just to make sure that people are doing things on the up and up, it makes people do things the right way. But when you tell the cops to go home and not worry about anything and only focus for like blaring errors, like people going 200 miles an hour down the interstate, if that's the only thing that they start looking for, for like glaring issues and glaring problems, what ends up happening usually is things just, it's kind of like they say, an avalanche only needs a pebble. An avalanche only needs a pebble for it to break off and be something that is uncontrollable. And so the, the scare and the fear is that two, three, four, five years down the road, we're still going to hear some really bad news about how pension plans were affected, about how people are affected because of some of the insider trading that was going on at the time. But anyway, that's all I got for y'all today. A lot of news that we covered. We started off talking about Apple versus Epic and that whole battle royale that's taking place. Now, do I see Epic winning it? I probably don't, but things I think will change for both Apple and Google and the way that they handled their Play Store. And then after that, we talked about the S&P 500 and how it has hit an all-time high, but then I made the note, Wall Street is not the same as Main Street. The stock market is not the same as the economy itself. Then we talked about Warren Buffett. The Oracle spoke, we listened. Apparently he's buying a mining company because as the saying goes, why not sell the shovels rather than trying to fight the gold for yourself? And then finally, we talked about the earnings report from Walmart and how Walmart is doing amazing, but the only reason it was doing amazing was because of the extra checks that it was getting from people during the extra unemployment checks that people were getting and spending at Walmart. But anyway, that's all I got for y'all today. I hope y'all learned one, maybe two things out of this entire podcast. God bless each and every single one of y'all, and I'm going to catch y'all up on the next one. Hit that subscribe button share this podcast with anybody who may not who may want to learn some of the stuff that we talk about on here follow me on youtube follow me on instagram follow me on tiktok follow me on twitter god bless each and every single one of y'all remember generosity is always greater than greed peace